Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Echoes Blood Red podcast, a special edition with it being international week. We've uh, decided to go a bit different for this episode. We've got a world-renowned author in the studio. Um, Simon Hughes is here to talk about his new Liverpool book. We're also joined by another world-renowned um, character in James Pearce and one who's just he's sort of <laughs> Lark Lane-ish known, uh, Joe Rimmer and myself, Neil Jones. So we're here to talk about Liverpool in the early 2000s and Simon, you've got the new book out, it's your third in this this sort of series, mm. Ring of Fire. First of all, do you want to tell us what the uh, what the aim of it is? The aim, um, well, I suppose like the the other books that I've done, um, the kind of loosely, well, firmly actually based around the, the player interviews, without much of a narrative always between between each of the interviews. Whereas with this book, I, I felt the you know the the, the noughties is a is a decade that's been I don't want to use that term noughties <laughs> yeah yeah we'll forgive yeah, that we'll forgive yeah, that yeah the two thousands is is a decade that you know has been written quite you know more than any other decade in Liverpool's history you know with social media you know newspapers you know an online presence and I wanted to kind of get like a more of a consistent narrative through the book so yeah I think you know obviously the book starts with with, with Phil Thompson who is like a connection with the the distant past, I yeah. suppose, and you know, trying to remind people of, of Liverpool's traditional values, and obviously, it ends with Fernando Torres talking, um, who perhaps had very different values. Um, well, that's what people might think anyway, and uh, no you know, it's kind of, it kind of reflects just the transition that had taken place, I suppose, at Liverpool throughout the decade. So, you know, a lot. I would hope that there's content in there that people haven't heard before and don't know about because I suppose that's the point of a book um, but yeah I mean obviously it goes through the, the, the process from, from Julia to Benitez ending in the, the darkest days under under Roy Hodgson <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely some of the names you've, you've spoken to there you just touched on a few obviously Julia <clears throat> Phil Thompson Torres Michael Owen is yeah. contained in there so obviously not just the uh, the fan favourites if you like yeah. it's sort of giving people a chance to, to well, I, I did, change I was, a few perceptions yeah I mean uh, this is also a decade where everybody knows the players. They know the players' backstories, really. I mean, I think the strength of the other books was was some of the lesser lights players who, you know, we didn't know much about how Nick Tanner became a footballer, for example. Um, you know, we didn't know much about, you know, Michael Robinson or people like that. Whereas this decade, you know, the, the footballers are a lot familiar, more familiar. Their paths into football have been, you know, quite similar, really. So I was conscious of that and I didn't want it to, you know... You can you can only write so many times about you know the academy football in in England before it becomes quite boring. So I decided I needed to get some of the bigger names, um, and and you you tend to find as as you know Neil, you know I think there's a perception that, that the modern footballer can be quite you know dull and not much to say, but with people like Michael Owen, Fernando Torres, I thought there is stories to tell there. Obviously, their side of the story has never really been documented before. And I thought that was what made this book worthwhile, you know, speaking and giving them an opportunity to say. Now, that's their version of, of what, you know, of, of what they think happens. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's definitive by any by any means. Um, I'm certainly not like, a, you know, an apologist for, for some of these people, although I think in the social media age, if you report something that, you know, might be contradictory to what, you, you know, you, you think. James, 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 James off James, camera James, there. Yeah, James, <laughs> James has just left the room. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, the, you, you somehow agree with, with their opinion. I mean, it, what it certainly needs is context. I think that was the reason why, 
you know, Torres agreed to do it because he, he was kind of conscious of the fact that in, in a newspaper, you know, interview or article, you might only have a certain number of words that you can use and that, that yeah. applies to every journalist, you know, just the nature of the industry. You know, you might only be able to cram it all into 800 words, whereas I think he realised there was an opportunity to have context and within the context of all the other interviews, obviously Rick Parry comes beforehand, who goes into a lot of detail about what went wrong and the mood of the club. I think he realised, you know, that, well, he hoped anyway, people might be sensible enough to realise that not everything was as it seemed at Liverpool and the club was just a bit of a mess. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, we won't, we won't go too too far into into the spoilers. We obviously, you've got to, got to read it. I've read it. The two chapters that stood out for me personally um, were the the first chapter on Phil Thompson and, mm. and the one on Gerard Houllier, who management team, and bring, bring Joe and James into this. I mean... We all watched Liverpool in that era, and as Simon says, the social media age seems to be makes legends and, and villains out of people, you know, from one week to the next. And we've seen that Gerard Houllier is one that he sort of left a little bit <coughs> under the cloud at Liverpool, and you know, yeah. sort of had to go. But if you if you analyse Gerard Houllier's contribution, I, my my personal opinion is I think it's a bit underrated. Yeah, I certainly go along with that. Very undervalued, I think maybe. Maybe because of what happened the year after he left and within the Champions yeah. League and just the amazing start that was the Benitez reign. But yeah, certainly I think with the passage of time now, when you look back on what was it six years, you know, he he had a he had a huge impact on the way that the club was transformed. I mean, you know, you think where the club was at before he came in. You you only have to listen to the the, I think the likes of Jamie Carragher and Stephen Gerrard have spoken about it loads about you know he he transformed the club in terms of the mentality and the professionalism and the way they looked after themselves from you know from diet and sports science and you know transform Melwood you know made it into you know a, a proper first class training base um, and he and he brought success as well you think you think you know that treble I think is under undervalued as well in terms of you know never been done before might might not never be not, may never be done again and. Um, yeah, and you know, and consistent. Let's not forget, you know, he, he effectively lost his job getting Liverpool into the Champions League. Yeah, and you which know, he went on to win. Yeah, which you know, th- and that shows how you know what is it, twelve twelve years on, you know, it gives it a greater context as well. The fact that what now would be judged as a successful season to Liverpool was was effectively judged as failure and and led to his exit. Yeah. Joe, I mean, you, you would have been watching Liverpool, you're a bit younger than us, so we'll out you on that, but you would have been watching Liverpool in that era and that's sort of your your time of, of, of yeah. becoming a sort of uh, an aware Liverpool fan. You must you must have loved that team, you know, that, that sort of, uh, you know, up until maybe 2002-03. Yeah, I mean, you look, at the, you look at the team now and you think, look at the characters back in that team, you know, right right through the spine, you had Sammy Apia, Stefan Onshow, uh, Didier Mann. Four strikers who could all score goals at the time, and you know, and Heskey was um, much criticised, but scored a lot of goals. At you the love time. Heskey, don't you? Yeah. I do love Heskey. I've got a soft spot for Emil Heskey. Um, cheer for the underdog. Um, Yari Lippmann, you know, he, he was a substitute, but at the time, you know, he could come in and score goals. Imagine having those sort of options now. And um, I think Julie, I think that those last two seasons were so bad in the terms of the style of football and some of the signings he made. It really has. Not tarnished because it's not the right word in terms of people do appreciate him, but it's made people forget just what he did for the club because he, like Arsene Wenger did for Arsenal, he modernised Liverpool and there would be no Istanbul without Gerard Houllier. Yeah. And he got them winning trophies again. He got Liverpool used to going to cup finals and performing on big occasions. And yeah. you know, I think for those players, you know, 
the spine of the team was pretty much the same spine that Julio put together for them to go to Istanbul without the experiences in Cardiff and, and in Dortmund they might not have done that yeah I know the, the relationship Julio had with the media <laughs> when he left Liverpool was part probably part of the reason why Liverpool fans maybe weren't, weren't so keen on him by the time you know he, he was quite spiky and he, he fell out with people I've always found him quite quite good to deal with and I know James has as well how did you find him for the book in terms of that you went up to Paris to me yeah. to see him yeah, no, it, it, he, he gave me a lot of time, so I'm always going to say nice things about him. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was, it was was quite a strange story, really, because, well, not strange, I mean, it's just a story of travel, really, I guess, but, <laughs> but he, you know, he, he'd been to New York the day before, and I'd landed in, in, in Paris, and pretty much, like, willing to do the interview straight away, like, he, yeah. his, his, his schedule, you know, is, is, is very hectic now, even as a, you know, retired football, I mean, he, I don't think he said he's retired as a manager, but he, he effectively is, um, and, yeah, he picked me up on a, on a busy street in, in Paris, and, you know, we spent a good few hours together, and then met again the next morning, and he, he was very keen, to, you know, as, as you know, basically made the point that, that, that Joe just, just said there, you know, the you know, he did get Liverpool the culture of winning again, and he was yeah. very keen to kind of get that message across. But you know, it does get forgotten, and I can understand why. It must be quite frustrating. Yeah, for well, him. no one else says it. Do they? Yeah, fair. and I agree. I agree with what Joe just said there. I mean, I, I think that that you know, it was a long farewell, really. Um, he, you know, obviously, you can't underestimate the impact that his illness had on 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 his reign. I think Liverpool were absolutely flying more or less when you know when when he fell ill. And obviously, for the two, it was the two and a half seasons afterwards. Yeah. It just felt like eventually he was going to separate. And I know he had a good relationship with David Moores and Rick Parry. I think that obviously had an impact on it. But as Rick says in 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 his chapter, he said ultimately Liverpool. By the time Gerard, I mean, it's it just touching on what James said. Really, you know, they qualified for the Champions League. But the reason why he went was because they were thirty odd points yeah. behind Arsenal. I think he won the league that year. You know, it wasn't just again the Champions League. That the, the the ambition was to win the yeah. league, which you know it's, it's gets into the realms of talking about now. You know, like what what do Liverpool exist for now? You know, are, are they are they about winning trophies, which they were? I understand. You know, Rick gets a lot of criticism for his. You know, for, for for his role, particularly in the, the sale of the club and various other issues, but I suppose when he was there, I'm not saying he was responsible for the results, but the decisions that were being made were all based around making the team successful yeah. on the pitch. Now, is that the case now? I'm, I'm not so sure. Is, is it, do they think that the key to success on the pitch is, is exposing or or generating you know incomes through commercial first, and that helps and drives the team? You know, it's one way or the other. I just think the first and foremost thought should always be, you know, let's uh, let's try and make the team successful and make those decisions, you know, that, that are gonna they're gonna help the manager or, or ultimately if it's not gonna help the manager get a new manager, which obviously they've done, you know, a couple of times over the last few years. So to draw a line to that question, yeah, I think Julia's era should be, you know, really remembered kinda of more fondly because that, that two thousand and two thousand one season for Liverpool was I think a lot of supporters would agree. You know, the ones who went home and away that year was probably, you know, the, the most enjoyable yeah, season in, mo- in, in modern them. in modern times. You know, just you know, expecting to win trophies again and, and excitement and you know, a, a really res- you know resilient team with a, a strong you know attacking players who would have got into any European side. Um, I was going to make the point. It's a thing that we're all guilty of, and I suppose it's a, it seems to be a very modern thing to, to talk about style of football and style of play. Julio defends that in the book. He says, 
people say we were defensive, but we scored 127 goals, and, mm. and you know Liverpool very rarely scored that amount of goals in a season. That team was was not like the most flamboyant. It was you know had hard work and wide players. Had four, as Jamie Carragher says, had four centre backs at the back, and mm. Marcus Babel carried as full backs. But if you win them, surely the style of play is, is redundant, and I think Liverpool. Maybe sometimes Liverpool fans can lose sight of that when you're worrying about grinding out one nil wins or you know things like that. You point back to that team and say, well, you'd enjoyed watching that, surely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was I went to a few of the European aways actually in that 2001 run to to the final in the UEFA Cup, and you know the way you set Liverpool up was you know I think I was in I was in the new camp actually for that nil nil. Oh, yeah. When I think was it Robbie Fowler was playing right back <laughs> yeah. most of the second half, but the, you know, and people or you know, I think there were Barcelona moments about it. Cruyff had Cruyff, a go, yeah. Yeah, Cruyff had a go, but you know that was that was like a masterclass, and now to go away from home and and shut up shop, and you know, Liverpool weren't given much chance going into that game, and but they restricted Barcelona to so few chances. I mean, it wasn't particularly pleasing on the eye, but he, he got the job done because you know then beat them at Anfield. And you know, I was I was in Rome as well for the the two 0 win when I think Owen scored yeah, twice. Both, yeah. And you know, again, you know, absolute you know tactical masterclass in terms of the way he set Liverpool up and and just picked them off and absorbed all the pressure. And you know, as as Joe said, you know, Istanbul wouldn't have happened if you know if they didn't have those experiences of of nights like that. And then as for the final, I mean, that was you know, yeah. again. <laughs> I think that gets forgotten as well. Like you know, it was. Just an unbelievable game that was against Alaves. Yeah. yeah, I remember having a cuddle with Ronnie Moran at the final whistle. <laughs> does does you, he you still speak about that moment? As well? I'm not sure if he does actually. Yeah. I actually, I actually got a ticket off a towel outside the ground about an hour before kickoff. We don't, we don't advise, don't yeah, advise that. I, mean, I would definitely wouldn't advise that. It wasn't somebody working on behalf of the Echo, was it? Well, no, 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 no. I was, I was nothing. To, I was, I was working for the Bath Chronicle then, so it was. Uh, <laughs> So no, it was. I just remember the, the stewards had taken about twenty looks at it before they let me through the turnstiles, and then it turned out that it was in the row just in front of all the Liverpool squad players who had travelled but but weren't involved, and um, and Ronnie Moran was sat with them. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think I probably remember it more fondly. Than <laughs> he probably thinks just some sweaty fat fella grabbed me at the final whistle. <laughs> <laughs> in a tribute yesterday, James Pearce there about himself. Joe, Joe you, the play, you touched on the character of the players there. There's, there's a bit in the book where I think it's Jamie Carragher talks about players coming out for training with a bacon sandwich yes. at Melworth two minutes before the session. <laughs> now, this is before Julian, so this is the latter days of the Roy Evans. I think it's, is it Fowler and Neil Ruddock, isn't Neil, it? Neil Ruddock, I think, was, in, was yeah. involved in that, yeah. yeah. It's not a surprise, is it, really? Well, no, <laughs> no. But that, that thing, that Liverpool team from that 2000, 2002 sort of era that did seem to be a big thing that it had it had strong personalities and you think that you know Jamie Carragher was playing left back he wasn't even in the centre of the pitch he was he was sort of having to be fit and Steven Gerrard was playing right midfield they hadn't really got themselves to where they ended up as legend status and yet they still had real strong characters in there and you know partnerships I think is, is, is what I, I think of with that yeah, team you yeah. think of Heskey and Owen you think of Hippier and Honcho, you think of the two in the midfield, be it Haman and McAllister or Haman yeah. and Murphy. So, I mean, you give a lot for that now, to be fair, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, they were, they were all seasoned pros, weren't they? You know, you think back, 
the places they you know McAllister his career you know story career Lippman had played you know for some of the biggest clubs and then you know even even people like Haman had gone up and played the season at Newcastle he had Premier League experience played for Germany Marcus Babel I think yeah. you know what you wouldn't give for experience like that now and, and it, it yeah. helps you win big games big big games and you think all those players showed up in big games and then you know you think through back through that team and you can name so many players who had a say, whether it be at Old Trafford, uh, you yeah. know, at Highbury, uh, you know, in, in any of the finals that they, they played in. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, talking before about Julio's team being possibly boring, I just think of goals when I think of that team. I think how many players in that, te- in those, in that team, in that squad, could be capable of scoring your goals. Even people like Berger, yeah. who was towards Nick the end Bar- of his Liverpool Nick career, Nick Barnby, you know, they all could come in. Marcus Babel scored about five goals from right back, didn't he? You know, yeah, at the, yeah. at the in the final scored, scored in the derby. Um, you know, anyone in that team could sort of pop up and, and get yeah. you a goal, with probably the exception of Stefan Oncho. <laughs> yeah, he could guy. save you a few, though, yeah. couldn't he? <laughs> he? He made them at the other end. So, so you know, to me, that's not boring. When you've got a team where you think any player can go out there and score me a goal, that's not boring. Yeah. And 1 0 wins at Old Trafford. They might, they might not look that good, but they're not that boring, are they? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing as well is, Sam, Jones just listed you know, a lot of players. That, they were all signed within sort of 18 months of each other, really. Mm-hmm. You know, he inherited, the team he inherited to the team that won the treble, OK, he had, he had Gerrard coming through, he had Murphy still there. Murphy went on loan, I think, first season of Julio. Didn't he? he went back uh, to Yeah, yeah, he went back. Um, you know, he had Carrack, obviously, there. But really, I mean, you look, the goalie, the, the three of the back four, he brought Gary McAllister in, he brought Heskey in. He built a team to win trophies very quickly, and and a lot of times we're told that you can't really do that, and you yeah. sort of you need you need three four seasons to build a team. But he he seems a manager. I think uh, again, I'm just kind of agreeing with what, what Joe said. But I think the key word is, is, in in all that is is the experience. When he signed players, they they were they, they were still quite young, but they'd accrued quite a lot of experience. You know, Didi Hamann, you know, being through the system at Bayern Munich and understood the complexities of a dressing room yeah. same for Marcus Babel um, you know Sammy Hippier I'm trying to think he was about 23-24 at the yeah, time so yeah. he wasn't he wasn't like a young player was he um, Stefan Honcho experience again all experienced players you know approaching the peaks of the career now you're right in what you're saying like I think the reason Liverpool now go younger than that I mean yeah. I know that the football has changed and has become an even younger man's game but I think fundamentally it doesn't change you know in the sense that the teams that win tend to be the most experienced ones you know the ones with who've you know like even Barcelona you know that they reached their peak when Xavi and Iniesta all, all those kinds of players were in the late 20s um, and that's what Liverpool were so it was, it was okay to expect that whereas now you know I think it's unreasonable to expect a team like who are 21 and younger to, you know 23 to, to, to achieve that level of success, success quite quickly and that's ultimately why I think they might be falling short a little bit yeah. because obviously football clubs are now buying players with an economic you know uh, idea in mind um, you know, if you sign a player who, who's who's in his mid to late twenties at that time, there's not going to be any sell-on fee. But yeah. ultimately, they're the players that are going to win you the, the you know the win yeah. you the medals and the trophies. I mean, bring in the the other character I mentioned at the start, Phil Thompson, yeah. who's obviously Julio's right-hand man, is is a tack dog. If you like, the the, the thing that the thing that struck me throughout it was. I, th- I think I'm, I'm pretty sure you described him either in an article or a tweet. He said nobody loves Liverpool more than Phil Thompson, yeah, yeah. and that's that's the sort of thing that 
we've all we've, we've dealt with Phil and we know what he's like. I mean, I think it's underrated what he did at Liverpool during the Julia era because a he he seemed to be key to getting the likes of a Carragher, likes of a Gerrard, focused and on the straight and narrow. But then he he managed Liverpool for like mm-hmm. you know six months and. I think his I think his win ratio was something something absurd, and the season he finished second in the league. I mean, it's it, it's some some accomplishment to go from, you know, out discarded by the club doing Radio City co-commentary to managing them in what two years, three years. Mm. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think when there's periods of success, everybody looks for like kind of oh well, he was the key, you know, behind this. There's always somebody claiming some kind yeah. of level of, of of involvement. I mean, obviously Phil Thompson was the the assistant manager, so you can't you can't deny that. I mean, I, I just think that you know you can't, you have to have some people at the club who who understands what it takes to to, to achieve yeah. success. And okay, he, he rubbed people up the wrong way sometimes, um, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think the has yeah. you know it's, you don't want a staff of people who are just all agreeing with what yeah. you know what's going on all the time. You have to be confrontational, I think. And it, I don't agree with this idea, you know, that you can't. Ransom rate, not ransom rate, but you can't you can't challenge players anymore. This I, I think, yeah. you know, you speak to the top players; they want to be challenged. They want to be like questioned. I was gonna say. You know, if 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 they're not comfortable with that, they're not going to be top players yeah. because they're going to be questioned on the pitch all the time by you know by the fans and in social media. You know, J- James, all of us have spoken to to to, to the top players, I think, um, and and they they always want that. You know, so this idea oh you can't be like that with players anymore. I just don't agree with. I mean, it was quite clear speaking to. You know, like DD Man was saying that you know that that kind of culture to him was was a bit alien. You know, like you know, like in your face kind of culture. But he did admit, you know, it was important actually because you know it reminded all the the foreign players, particularly of just what Liverpool means to people on a daily basis. And I think Phil Thompson. I mean, he, he he's not showing he's, he doesn't have two sides to him, but you know he he was he was playing the Ronnie Moran role. You know, if you like. But you know, as you hugging, just said, hugging James. Yeah, not hugging James. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody wants to give James a hug. Um, yeah, and I, I just think that has been lost a little bit in football, and I wonder whether you know they should be thinking about that a little bit because clearly Jurgen Klopp, you know, can blow his top from time to time. You've seen the two guys on the touchline; they're shouting at the players. I don't think they're going to be patting them on the back all the time, telling them how great they are. So, I'm going to bring James into that point. Did the man quite eloquently goes into it about Bayern Munich having? Former players, not just in coaching roles, but in sort of key roles around the club, financial roles, marketing roles, ambassadorial. Liverpool have done a bit of that, haven't they? With you know, they sent sent obviously four legends on the tour. They've done that in the past. Do you think there's there's more scope for that with Liverpool? Because it does seem like the it, it helps to have someone who knows both the players' side and also the 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 admin side as well for the club. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you, you know you see it at the academy as well when you know, someone like Stephen Manaman goes down there and yeah. works with the young players, and Rob Jones has done it a lot, and, and Robbie Fowler, people like that. And yeah, I think you know I, have, I don't think some some managers can be quite fearful, can't they, of f- former players? And I think I think I don't know if Julio touched upon it in the book, but obviously you've spoken previously about. You haven't read it, James. But like, because obviously he took offence, didn't he, to to former players? Yeah, yeah. yeah the list. Yeah, yeah. He, he, does, he, talk, he talks about that. Does yeah. he? Yeah. yeah. Is it, you know, because he was he felt as if being a Liverpool manager was different to being any other manager because of the number of former Liverpool players mm. that work in the media and the scrutiny and all that. Save like. yourself here, James. <laughs> <laughs> I will read yeah. it. <laughs> 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 no, um, no, no. But like, you know, I think 
yeah, I think you know that, that's that's you know you can understand obviously people getting upset at criticism, but I think mm. I think towards the end I I felt that he probably did get a bit too paranoid, yeah. and the, he felt like the world was out to get him. And to be honest, I think it probably happens to all Liverpool managers in the yeah. end. You know, yeah. I think yeah. even with Brendan, Brendan Rodgers, Rodgers you know he. He had, you know, he, I remember going on the preseason tour last summer, where he basically refused to say a word to anyone. Did very little media the whole time. There was this mad mm. siege mentality because he thought he'd been unfairly treated after Liverpool lost six one at Stoke. And you think, <laughs> hang on a minute, you know, get your bed. Mm. You know, Liverpool lost six one at Stoke. You know, you're, you're lucky to keep your job after a result mm. like that and an end of season like that. So I think, yeah, you know, I, I, but prior to that, Rogers, you know, and, and I think you know he he was actually responsible for bringing a lot of the former players. Mm back in and Klopp is obviously you know he's enough of a, he's confident enough in his own skin not to have to worry about anything like that so you know he's he is very been been bigger embracing the club's past and I think it's important because mm. as Simon said you know Phil Thompson you know he, he kind of epitomizes Liverpool doesn't he in terms of you know the, the, the local lad who went on and captain into the European Cup you know Amazing player, stalwart captain, coach, assistant manager, standing manager. So you, know, you need people like that around the club because you know he he knows what it takes to to bring success. You know he's he's been there and, and done it, and you you need people like that around to to show the current crop the way. Um, I'll finish on the Phil Thompson segment by saying you should really read it. The, the chapter just for the Brad Friedel oh. Brad Friedel um, exchange at the end which is it sums Phil Thompson up probably yeah. as a person <laughs> I thought it was a good place to end yeah it really, it really was. <laughs> yeah, far be it for me to say you've written something yeah. well but it did it, it did <laughs> for the la- last part I wanted to, fo- to focus on someone else and we talked about Gerard Houllier being underrated and maybe misunderstood um, as a Liverpool legend in there to Connors if you, th- if you wish um, but Michael Owen is the other one I was going to mm. point out and I saw you put a tweet out today Simon saying that if he'd stayed at Liverpool he would probably be Liverpool's all time record scorer yeah. a lot of people have corrected me on that already yeah. he'd have to do well yeah. but he, he, he had a chance didn't he he was 20, yeah. what was he, 24, 25 when he left yeah yeah he was young I mean I suppose obviously in, in, in the chapters he, he does say you know at that time people didn't realise just you know the problems that he was having with it, with his body. Yeah. So I suppose I'm contradicting the tweet that I put out here, and everybody else is correct. But he was saying, <laughs> you know, that, that for a long time he had, uh, you know, the, the problems that he had with his hamstrings. He was basically yeah. running on one hamstring being stronger than the other yeah. one, and when that happens, eventually the rest of your body starts, you know, having problems. Um, so maybe maybe he wouldn't, but you just don't know. Like if he just stays at Liverpool, his mental state might have been. But you know, yeah. careers don't just work out. The way, I don't. I don't think everything happens the way it's meant to happen. So, you know, luck plays a part. Everything else. You know, he might have bumped into a, a physio or, or yeah. somebody who could have helped Rafa him. Benito better. Would have taken over exactly. Exactly. I mean, he um, he was one who I'd thought about interviewing, and I. I, I I was only really going to include him if, if, if I thought I could get something that was was different, you know, a different you know kind of story. So we I did have quite a long discussion about that and reassured me you know it'd be presented in the way that that yeah. he wanted it to be presented, I suppose. But obviously, me challenging where where appropriate. And um, yeah, I mean, it was quite an interesting story, really. And it's, I mean, I don't want to say it's ultimately he's made his decision, his career decisions, and particularly one glaring one towards yeah. the end, which. I just don't think if you want to protect your legacy that's not one that you make you know I think by then he details in the book why he arrived at that decision 
Hall um, or Everton, wasn't it? Hall, Hall Everton or Man United. Yeah. I mean, part of me was thinking, as Alex Ferguson plays a, a trick here, just to like kind of really, you know, end you know like a, a Liverpool legend basically by signing because he could. I mean, that would not yeah. surprise me as well. You know, um, you know, certainly doesn't play him. Did the, 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 yeah, well, the, the the thing that we keep all keep saying it is it's easy to forget, but it is easy to forget just how you know how an important player Michael Owen was for Liverpool. You know, he, he defined the outcome of seasons, that 2001 season. He, you know, Liverpool wouldn't have won the treble if he wasn't in the team. I don't care what anybody says. Um, you know, he was, a, he was a leader of the team, not in terms of wearing the captain's arm. I mean, he did wear the captain's arm a couple of times, yeah. I think. But, he, you know, he, and I think when he did play for Liverpool, he gave absolutely everything. And I suppose it's quite sad when you look at some players who contribute very little and come back to Anfield and they get a standing ovation like John Joe Shelby for getting sent off against Man United and against the lost. You know, it's just, it's just obscene, really. But ultimately, you know, he made his decisions and he's got to live live yeah. with that um, but that's not to say it's not a story worth telling and you know I think in fact it makes it, it makes it a story worth telling you know the, how the relationship kind of broke down ultimately he cares about Liverpool you know far more than he does about Manchester United and, and, and Real Madrid um, but it's just I think it's a cautionary tale for all footballers you know who think oh, I might just go and see what it, and ultimately you've got to be you can't just be reckless with it. I think he was quite you know impulsive with that decision at the time and he admits that Does he regret it? Um he, uh, one thing that I've learned is footballers do not. I mean, obviously you'll know as well. You know, they do not like saying the word regret yeah. because it means it means They've so much. Yeah, I think yeah. I think certainly if he'd have if he'd had his time again, I don't think he would have done the Real Madrid thing. I think it was just intrigued. He had to like he had, in his head. He thought if I don't try this, it might never come again. And as, as he says, you know, the plan was to just come back to Liverpool within a year, like Ian Rush, which I think that reflects, I suppose, Michael Owen at the time. Like he just thought that everything would work out. And unfortunately, when you when you make that kind of decision, it, 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 the control goes away, doesn't it? And he couldn't. Within a year, you know, he, he was he tried desperately to get back to Liverpool. When he wanted to come back, when he was trying to get back, Liverpool didn't need him. When Liverpool wanted him, he was injured. It yeah. was just a bit unfortunate, you know, the way it all transpired. But you know, that's his career, and he, he's got to live with it. The, the thing that stood out for me, and dare I say, give me some sympathy with with him, is he was you the, can't say that, Neil. I know. Well, I know. <laughs> I'll, I'll be. I'll be. Neil Dodd-Jones <laughs> Yeah. But that was when he was talking about his daily routine at, at Real Madrid and he said, you know, they were basically, they would, they would just hold up in the house and mm. they, had a, they had a newborn uh, daughter and he said he couldn't really, he couldn't go out and play golf with, with the, the rest of the team because that mean leaving his wife just in the house and he said he didn't really, they didn't do a lot to, to help him fit in. Mm. And I, I, that, that to me, that, that gave me a little bit of, I can see why you well, maybe wouldn't consider that before you went to Real Madrid. You just think mm-hmm. oh, I'll go and I'll get loads of money and I'll play for, in front of the Bernabeu and I'll you know. Well, I'll, this I'll is go, the, go. this is the thing with with footballers, and I have this discussion a lot with like my family and friends who people say, "Oh, I paid little shit," you know, yeah. sorry, <laughs> a, a lot of money, you know. So they should, you know, it, it just it just covers everything, doesn't it? Um, which. I obviously I don't think it does. I mean, I'm quite happy for you know a working class lad to earn as much money as he possibly can. It doesn't doesn't you know it doesn't affect the way I yeah. think of them. Um, but you know, it's people. It's the first thing that people say when they criticise. But you know, basic human quality. You know, he, he clearly not really prepared for yeah. for Madrid, and that that's his fault as far as I'm concerned. He, he probably should have thought. You know, it's yeah. a different culture. He should have he should have done more himself. But I suppose it's a consequence of the environment as well. Footballers do. You know that that is one truth. They do have a lot. You know, sorted out for them. 
you know, and you would have thought a club like Real Madrid would yeah. have been have the means to to think about that, but they didn't. Um, but yeah, I think that he's actually had a really good season at Madrid. If you look at his goal scoring record, yeah, you know, he, he, had, he, had, he had a really reasonable season, you know, and I think would have carried on scoring goals. But then at Real Madrid, as ever, you know, they, they want to sign another world, you know, superstar, and his name's at the back of the list now. Can, can anyone really blame Michael Owen for going to Real Madrid? You can blame him for his, his later career decisions, but I always thought Real Madrid, you know, he was at a stage of his career where he'd had a lot of injuries, he might not get another chance. Liverpool have brought a new manager in. He'd had a good relationship with the old manager. They'd come off a, all right. They qualified for the Champions League, but you know, in the context of the time, it wasn't a great season for Liverpool. So I, you know, I, I thought, think to myself, can you blame Owen for going and trying yeah. and having a year at Real Madrid? You know, people Ian Rush did it, and because he came back and everything worked out, people didn't hold it against him. So I, I think with Owen, all right, his, his later decisions down the line. They might have tarnished his, his legacy at Liverpool, but certainly that Real Madrid decision, I don't think he deserves to be uh, yeah. criticised for. S- same summer, Steven Gerrard could have left Liverpool. Yeah. They could have lost Gerrard and Owen theoretically before yeah. Benitez had, had managed the game. I mean, Gerrard was sort of two years behind Owen in, in his sort of yeah. career, wasn't he? Sa- similar age, but Gerrard came through obviously at a later age. I mean, you can see why if Steven Gerrard at 20 was thinking of leaving Liverpool at 21 you can see why Michael Owen at 23 after two years of sort of falling further yeah. away from the league title you can see why he maybe thought well this is probably my best chance yeah, especially if your hamstrings uh, not holding up particularly well exactly and, and Owen was a self-confident guy wasn't he I really do believe he thought that he thought that he would go to Real Madrid score some goals and when he wanted to come come back to Liverpool and, and pick on pick up where he left off you know um I haven't, I haven't done this for as long as you three, but I, Michael Owen's probably the most high-profile guy I've interviewed since I've been here, and he called Liverpool us all the way through. You know, he, he referred to Liverpool as we and us, and you know, and I think he gets a bit of a bad stick. You know, um, yeah, you, know, you might, yeah, you might want to edit that podcast <laughs> bit. Apologies, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, as bad as him, I, I felt, I felt a yeah. little bit sorry for him. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think you think that. Was it the Gerard testimonial, James, where where Torres came back and, and played with Suarez, and them two got sort of the heroes reception, mm. and they came on together at Anfield, and Owen sort of had the, the pantomime booing and, and things like that. Just, just surely there's a space for Liverpool fans to say, "Soft lad, why did you go to Manchester United?" You know, come on, you're always a Liverpool fan, aren't you? Really, even Everton are doing it now with Rooney, aren't they? You know, Everton are sort of giving him, giving Wayne a little bit more sort of respect in his later years. I think Liverpool could do the same for Michael Owen. I'm glad that you've asked James this question. Yeah. Go on, James. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think maybe over time it will change, but I just, I just still think, you know, for someone who had, had achieved what he had achieved with Liverpool to then make that career decision, and I know I've, I've spoken to him about it before, where he's talked about. You know, it was it was Everton, it was Hull, it was Man United. Yeah. You, t- you know, I'm not going to hold. Forget that. You, t- <laughs> yeah. you tell me. I, I do like the fact that he sort of said <laughs> yeah. that Man United or Everton. Yeah. He should have a hole straight away. Yeah. <laughs> no chance. Forget that. Did he ring Phil Brown back? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, so he said, you know, they wouldn't have been. No one would have been happy if I got Everton or United. So I had a choice to make. I was going to win trophies at one club, not at the other. So, you, but I always think. You, I know mean, probably you know, sort of f- footballers at the time don't think about their legacy, do they? But yeah. I think I just think it's quite sad with Michael Owen now that, that he hasn't really got 
Like, I know he's been made a Liverpool ambassador, which obviously yeah. didn't, didn't exactly get universal approval. Yes, no. But I just think it's quite sad that he hasn't really got, you know, it, you know Liverpool fans don't particularly love him. Man yeah. United fans don't love him. Like, yeah, yeah. Some, someone who's achieved what he achieved in football and has was he's not much of a hero. Yeah, yeah. And you think you want to surely at the end of your career you want to be able to go back somewhere where you get an amazing reception and yeah. and you know, maybe in time that'll happen for him at Liverpool. But you know, as that Gerard game proved, it's probably not going to be any time soon. No, absolutely. I'm going to conclude by going around the table and putting everyone on the spot. Um, but I'm going to ask you to pick your sort of. Highlight of the of the era of the <laughs> the noughties era. Simon, you, you can go first because you've got the most to go at from your. Uh, the highlights. I mean, yeah. it, it just seems. Or the definitive Liverpool moments, if you like, you know, in terms of what you can you can pick out. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, the the, the moments of the the decade. I think really is it the Olympiacos game, Gerard, you know, yeah. even more so than Istanbul, you know, because obviously if Olympiacos yes. doesn't happen, Istanbul doesn't happen. I mean, if you think back to that night, I think everybody will remember that was the moment that, that changed the season. I think there was a couple of moments in Istanbul that that, that changed the the way, the, you know, the outcome of the game and the way it's remembered. But certainly Olympiacos, that game, you know, everything about it, you know, just. Uh, and that moment, that goal, it just it summed up Steven Gerrard as well, didn't it? Yeah. Joe, have you got a, a favourite game or a favourite yeah. goal? Emil Heskey's hat-trick at Derby, wasn't it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Left Chris Riggett <laughs> reeling, didn't he? I the, uh, no, no. Um, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because we're all going to say the same sort of games. But yeah. Like Chelsea. Yeah. Like, uh, anyone who was first in First Chelsea oh, one, yeah. First Chelsea one yeah. was just the most ridiculous night, I think, Anfield, I think anyone's ever ex- experienced it was. Yeah, I don't think you can put it into words. Really. I think I, I spoke to someone recently, and they said if they could relive ten minutes, it'd be the last ten minutes. Yeah. Again, the six yeah. minutes stoppage time. And, you know, even even having that heart attack moment with with. Uh, Good job. I made it better. I think. Yeah, actually, I, I, yeah. once it once yeah. it gone. James, have you got. Still expected got, to score now, don't you? Uh, yeah. it's, it's a sitter. You it's an absolute sitter. No. That, no, the other thing is the point out. So yes, you do that. Left Liverpool a hero. He he would be at fault for that if Good Johnson had scored because he comes after a cross and doesn't make it. You imagine yet missing out on the Champions League final. That's the final line. Never forget the noise of the uh, the advertising hoardings when the ball hit hit that. I'm feeling the silence and the ball hit that and it erupted. Yeah, James, you got one. The one that stands out. I like you know, when Liverpool played Roma at Anfield and the ref gave a penalty yeah. and, oh, and yeah, then gave yeah. the corner. <laughs> that was a personal favourite. Yeah. Was, I think it might have been on Valentine's Day that. Yeah, it, it was. Is that, was that Hulley's first game back on? No, no, no it was, was the year after. one. Sorry, he won the first like two 0 and then they were one 0 down and he, he yeah. gave a penalty, didn't he? Batistuta was playing for. Yeah, Roma, it was just yeah. you know because it obviously that was the decade when Liverpool kind of re-emerged as a yeah. major European force and. I like the fact the cop managed to convince the ref to turn a penalty. It was into brilliant. A corner. <laughs> you can't get that. <laughs> You're right. You have to be right to go. It's a corner. So yeah, I that was Roma won the league that year. They were the they were the Serie A champions and fancied to be sort of a big team. Owen missed the penalty. Yeah. That night as well. Yeah, go, yeah. More more reasons nice to like Michael. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, on that note, we will finish. And uh, thanks a lot, Simon. Do you want to tell us firstly when the the book is out and how you can I can go about well, getting it, it? It's out now. Um, you can get it in Waterstones in Liverpool, obviously. Um, I probably should mention Pritchard's and Crosby as well. Yeah. They've got yeah, a good stock. And then and then obviously Amazon and anywhere else you want to yeah. buy it, um, just for convenience. Yeah, I, I have read it, and I know James hasn't, but I have. And it, it is. I a will great, read it. It is. Yeah, you will. 
one day. We should get James back on, shouldn't we, to talk about it. It's a great read, and I recommend it for all Liverpoolians. Thanks for listening.